Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Um, Taylor said, my name is, thank you. My name is uh, Brett Ferguson, and um, my wife Rachel and I, our three girls, have been members of this church for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. And um, it's awesome to be here again with you today. I was here a couple weeks ago, Mike and I working together through this book of Colossians. By the way, was that not awesome time of worship? Um, if I mess this up now, that's on me, right? No, no. Hey, it's Martin Luther King weekend, and um, I, I didn't want to go, I didn't want to jump ahead without just pausing for a minute. Be, wouldn't be right to not recognize and just talk a minute about Dr. Martin Luther King, the legacy that he's left um, on our country, and uh, ongoing, what feels like maybe we're taking steps backwards in sometimes, but um, search to get God's perspective of people into our world, right? And, and like civil rights was not Martin Luther King's idea, although he was an incredible crusader. If you read what Martin Luther King spoke and what he wrote, you'll see that the basis of his platform of civil rights wasn't just in his own mind and thoughts, as brilliant as he was, it actually comes from the Bible, from Scripture, and the idea, and I mean, we agree with this today as a church, that all people are created equal, equal because all people are created in the image of God. And that deserves dignity and respect that comes when a creation carries within it the value of the creator, regardless of race, color, creed. And Martin Luther King taught our country that, and we still need to learn from him some more. I love his writings specifically, and I would encourage you to read this if you never have. Um, maybe you haven't read much of what he, maybe you haven't got beyond I Have a Dream with Martin Luther King. I'd encourage you a quick Google search this weekend to read Letter from Birmingham Jail. In April of 1963, Martin Luther King was in Birmingham. They were having their peaceful protests in Birmingham, and he was arrested. And someone brought him a pen and paper to respond to a writing that had appeared in the Birmingham newspaper. And one of the things you read in a letter from Birmingham jail is that what broke Martin Luther King's heart worse than anything wasn't the lynch mob KKK member. It was largely the white church filled with normally good people who sat on the sidelines and let terrible things happen. And in the letter from Birmingham jail, he writes about this. And then he writes about the early church. And this is what he says about the early Christians. Rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, thinking like Acts time, right? The church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinions. It was the thermostat that transformed the mores of society. And may God let us and this church be a thermostat that is a change agent and brings change even to our community, our state, and our country. Amen? That was kind of weak. Listen, this actually kind of dovetails into what we're talking about today because not only do we as a church want to be change agents. We want to be thermostats that bring change. All of us in our lives want the way we spend the minutes and hours that we have our one wild and precious life. We want that to matter every day. 
And so as we've been going through the book of Colossians, what we've been trying to do is get clarity on what has God called you to do? What is God's purpose in this world? And how can you be 100% sure that your moments and hours and days are lined up with that purpose? And so just to review, we started in Colossians chapter 1, and we saw that in Colossians chapter 1, what God wants to have happen is he wants Jesus to have first place in everything. He wants first place in your life. He wants first place in this church. He wants first place in this city. He wants first place in this world. He wants to be first. And if we're going to join our lives with his life, we're going to find our purpose in our life. Our purpose isn't about a what, a specific location or vocation. Our purpose is primarily about a why. We want to know Jesus and we want to make Jesus known because he needs to have first place. And then we looked at Colossians chapter 2 and we thought, hey, not only is my my purpose with God isn't primarily about a what, it's about a why. I'm going to know Jesus and make Jesus known. It's also about a who. And that is in Colossians 2, 8, 9, 10 times in that chapter, we see the phrase, in him, in him, in him, you're grounded. In him, you're full. In him, you're made alive. In him, you're made free. And the point of that for us is, listen, I got to detach my identity from whatever temporary, short-term thing I have it in, and I got to get my identity in him. And when I do that, I'm going to be free to go do God's purpose in life. But all of us also in the background of those very spiritual ideas have very real world things happening in our life every day. You got to get up and you got to go to school. You got to get up. You got to go to work. You got to get up. You got to get the kids to school. And that's not easy, right? And so we want to know, does God care about that stuff? I get the spiritual stuff, but how does God care about that stuff? So I want to start. I need your help to start off today. And everybody get your phone out. Unlock it, open it up. Half of you have already had it out. Chiefs game doesn't start for a long time, so just cool your jets, all right? (laughs) If someone were to ask you the question, what do you do? I want you to text your answer to that as simple as you can to this number. I need everybody to participate. First service crushed it, all right? First service crushed it. You can see what we had in first service. Um, is this just going to continue on? So go ahead, start texting 334-377-9989. Thank you. Teach and change. Dirty diaper changer. Love it. Sales. Fellow salespeople in the room, fist bump to you guys, right? I don't know yet. That's perfect. We're going to talk about that today. Songwriter, technology leader. Uh, first service, we had a cat gift maker. There they come. Check it out. This is who's in the house today. That is moving really fast. A lot of students in the house today. Hey, students, I want you to know what we're going to talk about today. I, if I could go back in time, I want someone to tell me this when I was 15, 16, 17 years old. Master of the three ring circus. <laughs> love it. I like the creativity. I love the shoulder shrug. All right. This is what fills the days, the hours, and the moments of everyone in this room today. And if you've been pulling, if you've been following along the last couple of weeks, and you are a product developing and sourcing expert, you might be left with a little tension of, how do I product develop and source things? How does that connect with knowing Jesus and making him known? How do those two things bridge? And you might be left wondering, hey, do, uh, do I need to quit product developing and sourcing so I can go work at the church? 
or go do some kind of church work or some kind of nonprofit work to make my life matter? Is that what it takes for me to connect my, my job, my task to God's purpose? And I just want you to know, um, kind of a spoiler alert for today, that's not what we're looking for today. That's not what we're asking for today. Some of you might be saying, hey, look, I am a, uh, I'm a janitor. Do I need to make sure that I'm like cleaning the building and leaving little fish symbols on all the whiteboards, putting a Christian bumper sticker on my janitor car so that I can just be more overt and everybody knows that, hey, this janitor service is Jesus janitor service. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but I want you to know also that's not exactly what we're looking for here today, okay? We're going to try to see today how all of these things can connect perfectly to God's purpose and plan for your life. And we're going to do that by looking at one verse to start with. We're actually going to read almost all of Colossians 3. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, so you're going to have to be fast. All right? Here we go. Colossians 3:17. Central idea for us today is this verse. And whatever you do. Can you just say whatever with me out loud? Whatever. Okay, now you need to say a little bit more like I'm saying it. Right? I got a teenage whatever down here. Not like you're saying it to your mom, okay? Let's say it with some gusto like it's important. Let's say whatever. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is going to resolve a great tension for some of us today. And that is this. You have a whatever. You have a whatever. We just texted in hundreds of whatevers that are represented in this room today and in this house as a church. And what God wants to do is to connect those whatevers to his purpose. Now listen, I think there's really kind of two kinds of people that when you're texting in what you do today, I think largely we fall in two buckets. Some of you have something burning and churning and a passion and a creativity and a drive for something inside of you. And you wake up every day and you're like, this is what I am born to do. I got to do this thing. I, I, I can't stop thinking about opening a food truck. All I want to do is have a cute little food truck, serve crazy little sandwiches. Like that just gets you up in the morning and fires you up. Some of you love to look at data and you're like, I just, I love taking terabytes of data and turning that into something that somebody else can use. And so for you, it's pretty easy to connect to this whatever idea of like, yeah, there's something inside of me that I'm, is burning and churning. And I just want you to know what God wants for you today, I believe, is to reframe that passion. Even if it seems disconnected from his purpose, he wants to reframe your purpose and reconnect your passion to his purpose. But if we're honest, there's also some of us in this room today, we don't have that. Matter of fact, we kind of hate that guy, all right? You just kind of ended up where you are. You never thought that you would spend your days scheduling trucks to deliver to a Walmart DC, but here you are. You didn't think that you would spend your days uh, coordinating a three-ring circus where kind of a measure of successful day for you is getting everybody to school on time, everybody bathed at the end of the day, and maybe a couple of meals in between. 
And while that's your life, you might not have been like, man, I'm just burning with passion for that. What I think God wants to do for you today, if you're in that group and you just kind of ended up here, is I think he wants to show you that there can be meaning in what might appear meaningless in your whatever. Because it all matters. And I just want to encourage some of you as kind of as a side note today before we really get going. And that is, if you're kind of in that bucket of like, man, what fills my moments and days and times doesn't really spark a lot of passion. It's hard for me to see the connection. I just want you to know that Grace Point has a laundry list of ministries that we're somewhat connected to. And a quick little Google search on your own will lead you to ministries like Saving Grace, which helps support young, young women. I believe they're mainly coming out of foster care. They might not have a network of parents and grandparents who they can really rely on. It helps them get back kind of transitioning into adulthood. Micah's House is a very similar ministry for men. Souls Harbor is a transitional community for men who are dealing with recovery, getting out of addiction. Um, Deb Project, CASA, DHS, foster families. Listen, this is a foster supporting church. And I love that about this house. And you can find foster families. You can find ways without necessarily being a foster parent that you can come alongside of people who are foster parents and help support them. Canopy supports refugees. Laundry Love helps support people who are, uh, see Lori Bedeen, I know this is a passion of yours, like low-income families, an opportunity to show God's love and grace to them. Kairos is a prison ministry. Like you can find with a little bit of work something that you can put some meaning into if you're struggling with that today. But beyond the point, that's not really the point, just kind of a side note, I want to encourage some of you, might need to go do that, is even in what appears meaningless, we believe that God wants to connect that to his purpose. A.W. Tozer, an amazing Christian thinker, wrote this. It's not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It's not what you do that matters. It's why he does it. The motive, the why, knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, that is everything. So let a man sanctify God in his heart and thereafter he can do no uncommon act. My job day to day is about as common as it gets. I spend most of my life trying to sell crackers and snacks to Walmart. That's pretty common. But I want you to know when we have the right perspective about why we exist, there is nothing that's common about what we do. I just want to take a moment before we go back into Colossians 3 and just help some of you who are maybe trying to figure out what your whatever is. Um, and, And it's here. Your whatever is a mashup of really four things. It's a mashup of your passions and desires, your skills and abilities, your opportunities and circumstances, and your sacrifice and investment. Let me talk about your passions and desires for a minute. Would it surprise you to know that possibly the thing that keeps you up at night that you dream of doing is exactly the very thing that God wants you to do? Would it surprise you to know that that's a very biblical idea? That if you just love the idea of being a stockbroker, when you were a freshman in high school, you're doing the math class because you want to know how to trade the stocks. And so all you want to do is, is be a stock trader. Would it surprise you to know that if that's what's burning inside of you, then I think what God wants you to do is go be a stockbroker. 
Your passions and desires don't come from outside of you. They come from what God puts inside of you. Look at what the the psalmist and Proverbs both speak to, to this. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You see that delight yourself in the Lord, know Jesus, make Jesus known. That's going to change some stuff inside of you. But then when you have a passion, he's going to help give you that passion. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. God doesn't want to come rip what you're passionate about away from you. He wants to throw gas on that fire so you can use it for a bigger purpose than you could ever even imagine. Second thing, your whatever is not just about passions and desires. It's about skills and abilities. You have a specific gift of skills and abilities that God gave you. Exodus, in the last half of Exodus, Exodus chapter 31, God's giving Moses instructions on, hey, you need to go build a tabernacle. And he had very specific blueprints of what the tabernacle had to look like. Now, if everybody was supposed to be a preacher, there's nobody to build the tabernacle. So this is what God told Moses. The Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God and with wisdom and with understanding, with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. This is God-inspired maker to make artist designs, for work in gold, silver, bronze, and to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Oliab, son of Ashamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him, and I've given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything that I've commanded you. If you have a skill or an ability, that comes from God, and what he does not want you to do is not use it. I'll give you an example from my own life. Look, from the time I was in high school, I could stand up in front of people and do what I'm doing here today without like having a hyperventilating in the back, okay? My junior year of high school, they were having the student council elections and to be elected to student council, you had to give a speech to the whole school. Guess what? Nobody wanted to give the speech. So I was like, perfect, New student council president. Why? Not because I had some great platform, because I was the only one who wasn't scared to get up from the students and give some speech. It was probably terrible, but it didn't bother me. I got up there and I did it. When I was in junior high, when I was in, in, in high school, on through college, early in my career, when we're doing project-based work, and then you need to do like, hey, go work on this, and then come back and report to somebody, everybody around me is like, hey, you know, Brett should be the one to give the report back. He should be the spokesperson for the group. That's just what I can do. And since I really have no other skills in this world, I'm in sales, because I, I can talk good. And some of you, you have a skill or an ability that other people around you just notice. Lots of people bake the cake, but when you bake the cake, it's money. It's just good. Lots of people can teach the fitness class, but when you teach the fitness class, people just kind of keep coming. They get more regular. They start to show up. They seem more engaged. They start to see results. Everybody can do the moves, but there's just something about the way you do it that's a little bit a cut above, a little bit better, a little bit better skill. Everybody can take the data and the rows and the columns and do the pivot tables and the slicers and all this stuff. But when you do it, you can give somebody something they can actually use for some reason. It's just a thing. 
So if you have a skill and ability, that comes from God. And when you're using that skill and ability, that's probably a good sign that you're swimming in your whatever lane. Third thing that makes up your whatever is this, your opportunities and circumstances. We don't all have the same opportunities and circumstances. Matter of fact, if we're familiar with the Old Testament story of a guy named um, Joseph, Joseph was born into the most dysfunctional family probably in the history of the world. He had brothers who beat him up and then sold him into slavery. I mean, you thought your house was kind of rough growing up. Like he literally, his brothers trafficked him. Then they went to their dad and they said, hey, sorry, pops. Dad got killed or his son got killed by a lion. And so they think he's dead. Joseph becomes a slave. He gets taken into Egypt. Joseph, because of the excellence of his work and his character, which we're going to talk a lot about today, works his way up. And pretty soon, guess who's in charge of Egypt? Joseph, the former slave's. Egypt is going to go through a famine. One of the skills and abilities God gave Joseph was he could interpret dreams. So Joseph knew that there was a famine coming. He told Pharaoh, there's going to be a famine. Pharaoh said, okay, I'm going to put you in charge. We got to start saving up now. So we're ready. Guess who gets hungry in the middle of the famine? Joseph's brothers and Joseph's family. So this gets awkward. Now they got to go crawling back to Joseph begging for food. He had a very unique set. And by the way, parentheses here, not always ideal set of opportunities and circumstances, but they still led him to his whatever. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, when the story comes to a climax and the brothers are standing in front of Joseph with the cups out asking for some grain, they're apologizing. Joseph says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this result to preserve many people alive. Listen, God might have you in an opportunity or circumstance right now, that is not good. That doesn't mean he, that you can't be connected to his purpose in your life. And then the final thought of what your whatever is made up of is part of your whatever is what you're willing to really sacrifice for and work for. Part of your whatever is what you're willing to invest all you have into becoming good or great at. The Bible says it this way in the book of Proverbs, there is profit in labor. In labor, there is profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Listen, there are things that I would be more than happy to talk about, but I'm not too excited to get up and do every day. Sometimes you still got to get up and do those things, but those aren't your whatever. Your whatever is the thing that when you go, hey, I'm willing to invest in this. If I want to be a great leader, I'm willing to spend the time reading the books about leadership. I'm willing to spend the time being mentored by another great leader. I'm going to sacrifice my own personal time. I'm going to spend less time out on the boat fishing and more time doing this because I want to invest in this. I'm sacrificing. I'm giving it up because that's what I want to do. If you want to be a great carpenter, then you're going to invest the time going to the trade shows, learning about the latest carpentry materials and tools, learning about what's trendy in people's homes so that you can be the best of the best you are willing to sacrifice and invest in. It's not about the what, it's more about whatever you're willing to sacrifice for and invest in. That's a good sign that you are in your whatever lane. Come back to what A.W. Tozer said. It's not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It's why he does it. The motive is everything. Let a man sanctify the Lord in his heart and thereafter he can do nothing uncommon. And so I just want you to know, number one, you have a whatever. Your whatever is kind of a mashup of passion, skills, opportunities, what you're willing to invest in. The second thing I want to, we see from Colossians 3 is your whatever connects perfectly to God's purpose. 
Your whatever connects perfectly to God's purpose. Now, I did have to put a little asterisk up there, right? A little probably connects to God's purpose. Because if you remember Colossians 3.17, it said, whatever you do, so that means everything, your whatever can connect to God's purpose, do it in the name of the Lord. There are a few things that you can't do in the name of the Lord. And if that's your whatever, then that's got to stop, right? So an example here would be um, tax seasons coming up. If you are the best CPA in town, because you are better at getting more money for your clients than anybody else, because you know how to cheat the IRS, you're going to have to stop doing that, okay? That is not connected to God's purpose. But outside of something that's immoral or illegal, whatever your whatever is, whether you're a carpenter, a teacher, a student, a mom, whether you're a business professional or a chef, your whatever can connect perfectly to God's purpose. And what we're going to see in Colossians 3 is this, that there are four elements to connecting our purpose to God's mission. Let's look at them together. The four elements of a connected purpose are your work, your ways, your witness, and your winnings. It's like an episode of Sesame Street brought to you by the letter W today. (laughs) Your work, your ways, your witness, and your winnings. And let's just start with work. If I'm going to connect my whatever to God's purpose, then excellence and effort has to be my standard at my work. Excellence and effort has to be my standard when I'm at school on Tuesday. No one ever told me that when I was in high school, or if they did, I didn't listen. But students, you got to bring the effort to what you do. Your job that you might not even love, I'm going to tell you what, if you're going to connect it to God's purpose, you got to bring some effort every single day. When you're a mom, let me just tell you, stay at home moms, you got to make effort and excellence at being a mom, not for Instagram, right? This isn't show off excellence. This is I'm pouring myself into this fully because of what he says in Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through the Father. Do you see what's happening here? When you align your life with God's mission of knowing Jesus and making him known, what you've done is you have tied God's name to your work. And if you're tying the name of God to your work, then it better come with everything you have every day. Dorothy Sayers um, lived in another time and place. She, was, um, she lived in, in the World War I, World War II era, kind of in between there. She was one of the first women to ever graduate from Oxford. She was a writer. She wrote mystery novels. Um, she was a playwright. She wrote this article about work. And um, I found it interesting what she had to say about work. She said, the church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to exhorting him not to be drunk and disorderly in his leisure hours and to come to church on Sunday. What the church should be telling him is this. The very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. The only Christian work is good work. She goes on to say, the only Christian work is good work well done. So let the church see to it first that the workers are Christian people. We got to know God. We got to want to make him known. And then that their work be Christian work, whether it is church embroidery or sewage farming. Any sewage farmers in the house today? I didn't see that one on the list. 
The only Christian work is good work well done. So here's what this means for us. I'm going to pick on Taylor a little bit. If Taylor shows up one Sunday to lead the worship, he hasn't really thought very much about the songs. He didn't really practice very much. He just kind of queued up three or four slides and off we went. That's mailing it in. That's not making excellence your standard. And therefore, even though Taylor is up here singing about Jesus, that's not Christian work. And if you go to work at Arvest on Tuesday, because you get all those days off, and you pour yourself into managing your client's business, and you give yourself fully to the work, and you bring all the effort you have inside of you, then that is Christian work. It's not sacred versus secular. It's not what we do. It's why we do it. It's the motive of everything. So we, we have to bring our full effort because when we align our purpose, our, our whatever to God's purpose, we are attaching God's name to our work. The second thing we're doing in Colossians 3 verse 23 is this says that, that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord, not for human masters. And what Paul's actually doing in the Colossians 3 is he's bringing this to life. He's like, hey, wives, here's what this means for you. Husbands, here's what this means for you. Children, here's what this means for you. And then he addresses the evil of the day, which is slavery. And Paul, just to be clear, is not condoning slavery. He's not saying slavery is a good system or this is from God. He's just recognizing that some of the people who are reading this letter were reading this in the context of they were slaves. And even in that terrible environment, he's saying, you have a different supervisor that is not your master. It is your God. And so not only have I attached God's name to my work, I've also now, I've got a new manager starting tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And I need my work to please him. So it's got to be my best. Excellence and effort has to be my standard. And I believe that as a church coming around, this could be one of the more revolutionary ideas for ministering to this community is that we commit as a body. We're going to bring our best to every task every day because that's what honors God. My work has to be exceptional. I want to quote Martin Luther King again, because this just, this just hit me this week. It's so perfect. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets, even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause and say, here lived a great sweet streeper who did his job well. If I cannot do great things, I can do small things in a great way. And that brings glory to a great God. Amen? Secondly, not just our work, our ways. Look, It's not just about working hard and getting to the top. How we go about our days matters to God. And we cannot have a a whatever that's connected to God's purpose and connected to knowing Jesus and making Jesus known if distinction and differentiation are not our calling card. They have to be our calling card. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impassion, purity, evil desire, and greed. By the way, can I say something? You don't have to be rich to be greedy. But greed's got to go because that amounts to idolatry. Verse 6. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you once, once walked 
when you were living in them. By the way, we don't not do these things out of some inflated sense of self. No, it's because we've experienced the transforming power of Jesus. We used to do those things, but they're not a part of our life anymore because we know Jesus. But now also, verse 8, put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self. Look, there's two parts of your ways being different and distinct. The first part is there's some things that just cannot be a part of your life. They are incompatible with connecting your whatever to God's purpose. Anger, gotta go. Malice, gotta go. Filthy talk, can't have it. Pornography, sensuality, can't be there. Can't have those things in my life and be connected to God's purpose. And so for some of you today, you just need to take a look at that list. And it's not an exhaustive list. It's kind of just a picture. But you need to say, what is in my life that is keeping my whatever from being connected to God's purpose? It's gotta go. But there's also some things that gotta come in. There's some things we gotta add. Keep reading Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12, and so as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with one another, forgive each other, whoever hasn't complained against anyone, just as the Lord God forgave you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That's got to come into my life. Old stuff's got to go away. New stuff's got to go in. And you just need to stop and pause for a moment. This isn't some, and I just want to make very clear about this. This is not some self-help success plan. Like, hey, I'm just going to take my passion, skills, desires. I'm going to attach them to what God wants to happen in the world and everything's going to be roses. No, this is about I've experienced the transforming power of Jesus and I'm a different person. So I approach my work differently with effort and excellence as my standard. And I approach my ways differently. I want to be different and distinct inside this culture. Third bucket is your witness. Mike's going to talk more about this, but our ways, our work, and our witness, your witness has to be about Jesus. Jesus has to be our constant message. And I'm not going to have time to go too far in this today, but I just want you to know, working your hardest and living a distinct life alone will never get anybody else to heaven. There comes a time, a moment where we've got to cross the big line, and we got to tell people, Jesus is why I live this way. And that's stinking hard, isn't it? That scares me to death. But we've got to be found faithful in that minute because whatever we do in word or deed, we're doing it all in the name of Jesus. And so his name's got to be coming out of this mouth to the people around me on a regular basis if my whatever is going to be connected to his purpose. Last thing, we don't like to talk about this very much, but it's a real reality and you got to have a perspective on it. And that is you got to know what to do with the winnings that you get from your work. And I just want to say eternity has to be your highest value when it comes to your winnings. Eternity has to be our highest value. Look at Colossians chapter three, verse one through five. If you've been raised up with Christ, 
then you keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth, because you died and your life is hidden in Christ with God. And I just want to get a fast forward to the end of life here. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Listen, your winnings have to get on board with God's purpose. They have to. It's part of what having a connected whatever is about is that whatever I get as fruit of my labor isn't mine, but it's God's. And I'm going to steward that and I'm going to invest that in his purpose too. I had a moment, it's about six or seven years ago. There was a guy who worked in our office who um, was retiring. He had had a 35 plus year career at, at Campbell's Soup. This guy held every job in the company over that 35 years. He had multiple jobs that people today would kill each other for to get. He just had a great career and left some legacy in the company. And so we had this little happy hour going away event for him at Roos Chris over here. And it was so awkward. Here's, you know, 40 people. Um, most of whom are young. Um, I'm just going to be real true, tr- tr- like one old guy who's retiring and we standing around and it was like, well, you know, nice job. And they hand him a gift card and out the door he goes. And in the four or five years since, you know, this legendary career, I don't think I've heard Fran's name mentioned in our office one time. And the question is, is that good enough for you? that you could just slay on the career deal for such a short window of time and then it's all gone and forgotten the minute you walk out the door. Because what I want for my career is that along the way, the winnings I get go into something that lasts for eternity. Long after I'm gone, I might not ever know it, But if one person can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of one sacrificial decision I've made with my winnings, that's what we're talking about today. This all kind of came to a head this week. A buddy of mine sent me an article about Blake Anderson. Anybody familiar with Blake Anderson, the uh, head coach of the Arkansas State Red Wolves? There's some very eager Red Wolves fans in in the house today. Great story about Blake Anderson. Blake Anderson, um, this past week, was invited to speak at the American Football Coaches uh, Association annual meeting. Um, And we've all been to these professional kind of association events, right? They bring in some uh, well-known person in a profession, and they ask them to speak to one of the hot topics of the day. But Blake did something a little bit differently. Um, Blake Anderson... um, Before the season began this year, his wife of 27 years died of cancer. And so Blake was invited to speak. And and I think the thought behind Blake's invitation to speak was that he's going to get up and talk about, you know, thank all the other coaches for all their their support and well wishes and that kind of thing. But he did something a little different. Blake actually talked about his whole life. Blake talked about that when he was a young man, he gave everything he had to coaching. As a matter of fact, he said one day his son was driving by the football stadium, whatever small school he was coaching at at the time, and pointed at the stadium and said, that's where daddy lived. Because his only idea of a coach that knew how to coach was someone who just lived in their office 24 hours a day. 
He was out on the recruiting trail all the time. Blake's own words, he said, I was recruiting players during the day and women at night, and he was living two separate lives. And he thought, I could just keep doing this. I could be one person on the road and another person at home, and it's going to be okay. And guess what? Like happens anytime any of us get into this two-life kind of thing, that falls apart all the time. And it fell apart for Blake. And Wendy, 10 years into their marriage, said, I'm out. Blake quit coaching, begged his wife to give him a second chance, went to work at his father's insurance agency for two years to put his life and his marriage back together. Sure enough, two years after he had quit coaching, life's kind of getting back together. He gets a phone call from Larry Fedora and he gets to go back onto a coaching staff. Fast forward through a couple different moves like coaches make and he's been at Arkansas State for six years and having a lot of success there. And here's what Blake Anderson had to say as he told that story to his peers of college football coaches. He said, we proved that you can put God first. You can have balance. You can be successful. We built a culture that I'm proud of. For the first time in my life, I feel like I have perspective. I feel like I have true perspective. I want those around me to know Christ, and I don't want to waste a second on things that don't matter. Isn't that last statement exactly where we want to be? I don't want to waste a second of my life on things that don't matter. But let's step back from that a minute and let's just see Blake Anderson living out everything we talked about today. First of all, his work is exceptional. He's a good football coach, pours himself into it. Secondly, his ways weren't always very good, but he got rid of the stuff that you've got to get out of. And he put into his life, the stuff we need in our life. He changed his ways. His winnings in this case today, it wasn't about money for him this week. His winnings was he was given a platform to talk to hundreds of college football coaches with media people there. And at the moment of his witness, he was faithful. Listen, your winnings might not be a football coach's salary. It might not be a platform with the bright lights in front of coaches and media, but you're going to have a moment where you have the opportunity to be a witness. And that might not be in front of everybody, but in that moment of secrecy that maybe no one but you and one other person know about, are we going to be faithful with our witness? That's how we connect our whatever to God's purpose. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I, I just want to have a moment here of reflection. And this might not be for everybody, but if what I'm talking about right now is just sparking something inside of you that you're like, yeah, I need more of that. I'm going to ask you as I pray to just hold your hands out like this, just as a symbolic act of as a group of people we are together giving our whatever, whether it's big and important or it feels small and meaningless, we're gonna give that back to Jesus right now. And we're gonna offer that up and ask God to connect that to his purpose. So join me in prayer. God, here's our whatevers. Teachers, chefs, artisan, students, IT professionals, salespeople, construction workers. God, on our own, these whatevers are pretty small. But when they connect to your purpose, they're as big as you. 
And so we just give them to you today. And we ask you that you would help us connect our whatever to your greater purpose. It's in your name that we pray.